Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Cookie Jar Golf Podcast. Today we have a treat. We have a course diaries episode from West Byfleet Golf Club with a friend, good friend of ours, Richard Pennell. Richard has already been on the podcast once and I'm sure many of you have listened to his Eclectic 18 which was recorded up at Black One, the members lounge. It's a brilliant episode and I could listen to Richard talk about just about anything, uh, even better when it's about golf. Um, two little announcements which is why I wanted to put a little cover note on this. First off, Richard has just released his first book, Grassroots. I demolished this thing in about 10 hours. It is a superb book. I think it's 15 pounds with shipping, which seems absurdly good value. It's really, really good. It's witty, it's thoughtful, it's nostalgic. Um, and it's got a really good story that, that goes through there, really connecting back to some what Richard will talk about on this podcast, which is his, um, I guess, resurgence and falling back in love with the game of golf. Um, for anyone who's not already signed up to Richard's Substack page, Stymied, he sends out all these wonderful nostalgic musings on a, on a weekly basis, and I would highly recommend having those fly into your inbox free of charge. I'll pop both the links for those down in the show notes below. Um, the second announcement, which possibly even more excited about, is our second Retro Day event, which we're going to be having on Thursday, the 19th of October, at West Byfleet Golf Club, which is why we wanted to announce it on this podcast. Um, why West Byfleet? Well, I think it's a wonderful place. We've spent a little bit of time there, and I don't want to spoil the pod too much, but I think it's set, it will set up brilliantly for this event. Um, but, you know, earlier this year, we had our first one at Minchin Hampton. That was a huge success. People had so much fun curating their nostalgic sets of golf clubs, retro equipment, think, you know, whether clubs had different meaning or why they wanted to play them. Um, people connecting through WhatsApp on a group, talking about all this sort of stuff was a huge amount of fun. And we thought we'd move it on this time. So we've partnered up with Sounder. Um, many people know we're good friends with James Day and the rest of the gang over there. James is pretty much the authority on, on, on vintage equipment, so it would seem stupid not to have them along for the ride. And our, our Minchinhampton event rolled quite neatly into the Sounder, Sounder Festival at Cleve Hill, so we figured why not just join forces. Um, the day's going to cost £80. That's going to cover all your golf, breakfast on arrival at about 11.30, and there'll be a retro-themed dinner, so you can keep an eye out for volivants and quiches and things of that nature uh, in the evening prizes for best on show and it won't just be about retro equipment we'll be looking for vintage threads uh at mention hampton people some people even turned up in retro cars which was quite spectacular it'll be a fantastic event but to make it even that little bit more special we're going to be doing a bit of work uh, a bit of charitable work so west byfleet golf club one of the things that they're, they're hugely proud of is the the work they do for charity and they do at the moment, some they've been running some equipment amnesties for you for golf in Uganda. So we will be asking people to who come to that event to provide any equipment which they think will never see the light of day again. And I'm sure many people who listen to this podcast have a shed or an attic or a garage filled with equipment from yesteryear that will probably never be used again. So we will be doing an amnesty, and that will be going off to on Antebe Golf Club in Uganda. At the moment, the, the golf development program and the work they're doing with the juniors mean that they have to share clubs in groups of one to ten. So, you know, ten people sharing one club uh, to, to learn the game and they're passionate about it and they really want to continue to 
to develop the, go- the game of golf in Uganda, and I just think that's a wonderful way to put equipment that's not currently being loved to better use. So on top of on top of it being a great golf day, we think it's a wonderful cause. The details for that will be on our blog, www.cookiejargolf.com. Make sure you're signed up to the newsletter. Head over to the blog page, check it out, and sign up. First come, first served. You're going to have to be quick. Um, and I'll try and put another link if if the system will allow yet another link in the show notes below. But without further ado, it is over to Richard Pennell for a wonderful Course Diaries episode about West Bifrica. Watch this. We're in now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're in. Are you in, See, Richard? Just check. I don't know. Just talk for me, Richard. Is that doing anything? Yeah, you're doing something. So you always get nervous when you're going to a toilet. Toilet, I don't, don't know. know. Yeah, always a little bit nervous when I go to a toilet. I don't know. I heard this story. Um, and it was, <laughs> I was at university. It was like this house party or something happened in, in uni. This bloke went to the toilet. And like, they couldn't open the door. So they had to call the fire brigade to get him out because he was, he was locked in for something like six hours. So now I'm always like, oh, I wonder if this is one of those doors which I can't escape from. Do so you just always leave a safe room? Well, just, well, just, you know, and in, we are in, currently sat in the snooker room of West Byfleet mm-hmm. Golf Club and it was kind of just up, up from here. It's got its own dedicated toilet that I used and I thought, oh, Luckily, it had a nice window that I thought, if needs must, I could climb out of well, it. Well, so. without further ado, <laughs> <laughs> before, yeah. we, before we completely ruin the tone Sorry, of this podcast, tone. Richard Pennell. Hello. Welcome back to the Cookie Jar Golf podcast. Thank you, guys. Good to be back. I listened to your Eclectic 18 a month or two ago. It's a really, really good podcast, that one. Thank you. It's a really good one. It's probably my favorite Eclectic 18, I would say. Yeah, well, I enjoyed it, apart from that you disqualified one of my selections, but we'll, we won't dwell on that today. There was a lot of, there was a lot of sort of 11th hour changes. We're currently sat in the snooker room at West Byfleet Golf Club. This is a course diaries episode about West Byfleet Golf Club. But I think there's space, would you agree, Tom, for a brief tangential conversation about snooker rooms in golf? Yeah, I, I just before we rolled on air, I, I asked Richard um, if he gets used. A lot of these... Oh, I don't know if it's just the places that I visited recently, but there's been a trend of people perhaps wanting to get rid of their snooker rooms and perhaps don't get a ton of use. You said this one gets used quite well? Yeah, yeah, fair amount. Yeah, mainly by me, because it's directly above the office, so it's <laughs> ideal. <laughs> and as long as long as I'm here, the snooker room stays. So you've got two full-size snooker. Are you a good, yeah. good player? Uh, no, but I can't shank a snooker ball, so I do come <laughs> up here sometimes. I don't know. I, I reckon I could enough. give it a good good yeah. crack. Yeah. There's something great about snooker rooms, though, aren't there, in golf clubs? Yeah. Because they just, I think, you know, you know, after golf you need more games, you need more activities once you've, once you've been on the course. Yeah. And when you've had a drink, there's just nothing better. When we had our uh, spring meeting event earlier this year, we took the full crowd, you know, well intoxicated into the snooker room at Moortown, which I think is one of the great snooker rooms in the game. And just played a very simple game, putting a triangle in the position with where you'd put the reds. Mm. And you had to circumnavigate from the D, circumnavigate the triangle in three shots and get the ball back to the D. Right. Which is doable, but the problem is you're not allowed to touch the cushion. 
So that provides when you say touch the cushion with the and white. And you can't touch the triangle either. Yeah. So you've got to let you've got to lag the white ball from the D down to the far end without touching the cushion to then lag it across and, and so you've got a clear shot back at the D without touching the cushion with the white. Right. And then you've got to get the white back tricky. into the D. It's really mm. tricky. So you were there for sort of seven hours and it was getting well, dark. Well, no, it's a good game if there's... So there was, you know, 30 people wanting to play and only, obviously, they've got two snooker tables. Is it two more time or three? Two. Two, two snooker tables. So I think. you can only, uh, obviously, have four at a time. But it's a way that you can get everybody involved quite quickly. So you, And everyone kind of gets engaged. And when everyone's lubricated, it kind of gets quite vocal they sounded like the darts by the end of it didn't it mm. yeah it was it was getting a bit it was getting a bit raucous i'm really looking forward to this episode because we've played we've been down at west byfleet a little bit over the last um few months played it a few times really really enjoy the golf course i actually leafed through the club's history as well recently and it's fascinating i'm fascinated with the 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 history of new zealand golf club lockhart king uh, lock king um Mule Ferguson, everything around this little sort of parcel of land in, in Surrey that we find ourselves in. And I think this would be quite an interesting podcast because you have previously been the Assistant Secretary at yeah. New Zealand yeah, and now find yourself as the Membership Secretary here at West Byfleet, yeah. a wonderful golf writer and amateur historian, full-time historian, I don't know. And Hickory yeah, very much Savant. Hickory uh, even Savant. more amateur Hickory player. Yeah, so I just think you've got all the credentials for quite a good podcast here. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we'll see where it goes. It's, um, it's an interesting part of the world. Uh, two clubs within, what are they, driving three iron of each other, <laughs> uh, both very old, um, and sort of some shared heritage, if you go back far enough, so... Lock King, who founded New Zealand apparently after a wager in a London club, I think it was White's, um, built a... I, I, it sounds like, well, the rumour goes that he was dared to, um, or challenged to build a golf course out of some of his forest land. And he owned, he apparently owned unbroken land from Weybridge, which is where he, his family home was, to the south coast. I'm not sure if that's ever been... What? Proved or proven, yeah. but um, it, you know, to be even in that ballpark, he he, he had was an a extremely wealthy fortune. person, wasn't he? Yeah, extremely inherited wealthy. an extraordinary um, uh, estate and so on. And um, there's not that much evidence that he played golf himself, although he was definitely at New Zealand a fair amount. And New Zealand was always the uh, golf club of the this sort of group of people, including Muir Ferguson, who was. Um, uh, supreme amateur in his own right um, and they'd come down from London on a train there was a halt just around the corner from here where the, the train would stop and um, a horse and cart had come down from New Zealand and ferry them a few hundred yards up the road uh, so that was 1895 and then 1906 I, I think they I get the feeling they'd had enough of the locals knocking on the door and saying can we play here at New Zealand because it was a club for the London elite uh, and so Lock King gave a parcel of his considerable um, estate to the locals to um, be used as Bleak Down Golf Club and so golf started being played on here in 1906 but it's difficult there's so many um, sort of rumours and old wives tales about New Zealand it's quite hard I, uh, I 
I'm trying to dig through some of that stuff at the moment and find out what's factual and what's what we're never going to know for sure. But um, that's certainly one of the one of the rumours. Oh, it may be one of the faux pas he- mm. heading back to one well, of your recent pods. In fact, you the the the, the history faux pas is buried within Simon Haynes's recent podcast because he talks about the founding of New Zealand and why it was called that. Yeah. And I think when we came down here, you quickly said, well, he's made one of his own here because it has <laughs> nothing to do with that making it feel like a faraway land. It was to do with some colonies or something I think people owned or something yeah, at the time. Yeah, and, and Lot King's wife's family were from New Zealand. So, or it, it re, um, so just before we do, the the whole stuff when you drive into this little part of Surrey, you go past the McLaren, what, I don't even know what it would call it. It's like their offices for the yeah. F1 team. McLaren headquarters. That's all part of Brooklyn's then. So for anyone who's not familiar with this part of the world... No, no, Bro- that's that's Mercedes Benz world. Mercedes Benz is that linked to Brooklyn's? Is that part of uh, where? So, Lock yeah, King, it, help try and explain what I'm trying to allude to. <laughs> yeah, do so job. do a better job of podcasting for me, Richard. So, someone looped Lock King into building a golf course. So that was New Zealand, and he lived in Weybridge. Uh, and uh, but he and Ethel, his wife, were big into cars a few years after new zealand the, the motor cars had started appearing on our roads and and they had the means to invest in those and um drive them around at high speed and so he um he built at his own expense um brooklyn's motor racing circuit which was the first of its kind in the world and huge banked corners and you can still see some of that track um down by the, an enormous tesco and the mercedes-benz world um down in in brooklyn's itself uh, and there's an amazing museum there and um you know it's like a visitor attraction but they have loads of old stuff there including ethel's original car which i think i can't remember what it's called uh, it's like a V8 thing that's worth two million quid or something, and they have a snooker table there. There's another fine, but unlike the Crucible or West Byfleet, it's only one <laughs> table there. So <laughs> disappointing. Um, yeah, so he he built that, and that that actually, um, so New Zealand was his plaything from 1895 to uh, I think 1908, and he'd started to. Um, hemorrhage cash didn't he build an aerodrome there or something as well yeah so there was an aerodrome there later on I think it's easy yeah. to understand before, why he was running out of cash, hemorrhaging cash <laughs> well, that, it seems as if his whole life was hemorrhaging cash actually he inherited um, an ungodly amount of money and he was doing his best to get rid of it yeah he was trying to yeah, downsize in, <laughs> in terms of his uh, wealth um, so anyway, building Brooklands, I can't remember what the number was. I think it was three million quid in those days, which is just a, a, you know an incredible amount of money now. Um, and that put him short of cash. So New Zealand turned from his private club to a members club. He he let the members buy it, and then that you know that's when a different type of history started up the road and. They have minute books of the the um, company changing hands and holding formal meetings. None of that happened before that point. It was just him and his mates and uh, Muir Ferguson who designed that uh, golf course originally. 
uh, just running it themselves, really, for their own amusement when they hopped off the train from London. So, so he did that, and he gave gave this piece of land to the locals in 1906, or uh, permitted them to use it. I think he sold it to the club in 1922, um, but he was running even shorter on cash after the end of the First World War because they needed to resurface Brooklands and it almost bankrupted him. I mean, it's just a ridiculously wealthy guy. um, It's a pretty pretty spectacular achievement. Yeah, he did well. Yeah, flamboyant lifestyle. You couldn't buy private jets. Like, you know, like, you 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 couldn't... There's only so many ways you can spend spend your money. money. No, no. It seems like he's invented ways to spend money. (laughs) Yeah. Like it didn't exist. He was an innovator. Yeah. A disruptor. (laughs) He was a trailblazer. (laughs) Just completely setting fire to money. So he was coming and collecting rent from the club and presumably from the... And and that was Bleak Down that were running there. So, again... How is Bleak Down different from West Byfleet Golf Club? So Bleak, so in 1906, golf opened here with a course built by Cuthbert Butchart, who um, designed or had a had a role in designing uh, West Hill and um, pretty impressive resume. Highgate, yeah, he had a yeah, listed a few on there, didn't he? And and he was the professional here for a couple of years, and he also worked in that capacity at. North Berwick and Royal County Down. He was um, he was well connected, and so his original layout is, you know, it's quite a tight piece of land here, as you guys know. It's 134 acres, I think. But it's a small slither, isn't it? It's, it's almost a like strip. a linksland mm. strip of land, yeah. almost. I would describe it. Yeah, and when you so I didn't. We'll come on to that maybe, but I didn't play here for the first 15 years of living within a mile of the place, and I. I assumed it was straight out and back because it's, you know, it looks like a pencil, the aerial map. It, it just, it, it's a sliver of land and it's banked on one side by a railway, um, which, you know, we know that's not a, a coincidence with many of these old golf courses. But um, so he designed a golf course then in the late teens, so 1918, 19, Lock King just had somehow managed to almost bankrupt himself. So uh, the club bought the land from him in the very early 20s and engaged, obviously the ball had changed in that period, like many of the clubs. And um, interesting, the, the revisions to New Zealand just up the road didn't take place at the same time. Tom Simpson only came in when Muir Ferguson, who'd been the managing director there for the first, what, whatever it is 25 years of New Zealand's existence they only revised that course when he left because I think everyone no by all accounts was too terrified was to broach the subject yeah, really yeah. so and and Muir was also the secretary here for several years at the same time. when this opened at the same time so he would just basically presumably walk the like you say the the half a mile or the quarter of a mile between the two yeah occasionally make yeah. sure things were all ticking over and yeah, so and he they, was the man about this this area really for he golf. Was. He was just running the running the golf scene here in the early early nineteen hundreds. Yeah, with a rod of iron, and it is frustrating. There's not that much information about Muir out there. I'm I'm keen to you know that's one of the many projects on my list. I'd love to learn more about him and dig through some of him downstairs, haven't you? Uh-huh. Yeah, even though in a formal capacity, I suppose 
apart from being the club secretary for a period of time, that's really his only involvement at West Byfleet. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd read that he laid out this golf course, but I, I, that's not, you know, the, the history books, the centenary books prove otherwise. It was Butchart originally. And then when the club turned into West Byfleet Golf, golf club in 22 um abercrombie was then what halfway through his um career celebrated architect mm. and great golf courses and i know you're another one of those tomorrow but um a lover of hot air balloons abercrombie mm. just loved hot air balloons laid i didn't know out, that laid them out from a hot air balloon I, I never know whether you're winding me up or not. <laughs> I, don't think was, I would never <coughs> joke about anything as serious as Golden was, Age architecture. I don't think that was every Richard. course, but he... Well, we've got it as an idea, something we've been told, and I think... We've really ran with it. I don't think... I'm certain I've read it in print. Now, the, in what print capacity? And... and, and We'll have, to do some, we'll have to do some research. But apparently... Our listeners will fact-check it because most of our listeners know a damn sight more about this game than we This do. could be a massive faux pas. No, it won't because I'll, I'll hold my hands up like I do most weeks if it's a mistake. But I think I, I, think I understood. He, yeah, I think he went up I in... I think it was Coombe Hill. He went up in a hot air, hot air balloon. Right. And, and, planned, and planned it. Right. Because think about it, you Which get a would, that would explain. I love Coombe Hill, but there's some fairly severe elevation changes there that you, you might see not from see air. from the air. <laughs> so. <laughs> there we are. Um, and you've got Knoll Park, haven't you? And you've got Warple's Dern and the Addington, Hill obviously. Would be, a, would be a great uh, course diary, by the way. I think um, it's, a, it's got a great history. It's good um, golf course. But yeah, that, I mean, like you say, different different profile line, quite flat, quite 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 narrow, I suppose. Um, yeah, not too flat. But so so Abercrombie was then brought in, sort of 1922. So the club is pretty unique in the sense that it's had two centenaries within 16 years of each yeah. other. Yeah, and that that's owing to the fact that they bought the land from Lot King. Yeah, at that point, then you think then established Ab- Abercrombie to to make some revisions to it. Now the, the history books had a. Can I just can I just ask a question? Why are there two two centenaries? Just so we can clear this up. They really like a drink here. <laughs> and what do they represent? The first one is the purchase of the land? Uh, the first one is Bleak Down opening okay. in 1906. Right. And so in 2006, by all accounts, they had a damn good year celebrating that. And then, But West Byfleet Golf Club as an entity itself. And also, I, I think, uh, just recently in preparing for the centenary and writing of the centenary book, they realised how influential Abercrombie had been. I, I don't think it was widely known, or perhaps it wasn't had been widely forgotten that he was involved here because it didn't used to feature in Abercrombie's CV. Um, and it, it's, that's the thing, and it, it's both at the time it would have felt like revision work and there's a lot of courses getting built in the 20s yeah. weren't there so you'd probably only put down the stuff that was entirely yours like you yeah. said the first club history in 2006 doesn't really have a huge amount of reference to Abercrombie no um, no but so his impact was massive so of the butchart design the holes that are pretty much as you play them now are one two five six and ten which was then the seventh um seven let's think so when Abercrombie was brought in, there, there was talk of needing to get the, um, sorry, needing to 
lengthen the course slightly to cope with the new ball and there were major changes to the routing so his routing although it's a thin the bit of land brilliant yeah it is isn't it because it's such a narrow piece of land it, but it, yeah it's, how they managed to almost it, make it an out and back is actually well it's just, so narrow that you know that it would feel like the only sensible way you can route it because there's no room for holes to really go across the land or like you know width ways so it would feel like the only way you could really do it is to go out and back yeah and what and what Abercrombie did in some of his rerouting which is pretty interesting was you play largely away I know you've got the short path through the fourth that comes back but you play largely away and then you play two quite long golf holes that cut right across the property and take you back probably within 300 yards would you say of the of the of the clubhouse where yeah. you've got the where the seventh green is yeah and the classic halfway hut which is just essential to um, playing golf at West Byfleet, everyone stops there and it's, it's just part of the fabric. How many of the visitors get lost? Uh, all of them, really. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. because there is a junction where it kind of hooks back on itself and you yeah. can come back a little bit, but also so, it keeps going. That would be midway through the back nine. And there's kind of a junction with four holes kind of intercrosses. Yeah, isn't that's it? right. So you play six. Um and six is heading back in this direction, but from two thirds of the way down the golf course. And you you play six, and there's a tee down to your left, which just feels all day like it should be seven. And yeah. that was seven in Abercrombie's design. Okay. Oh, was it? So, so he that didn't go all very the way back natural up there. feel made sense. So he went left there, and then it went out. Um, uh, you went down that hole, and then. Croom. So Abercrombie redesigned in 22, and most of what is out there is still his. Um, but Arthur Croom, who designed Liphook and was mm. at that point um, in business with Abercrombie, Simpson and Fowler, um, he was brought in to have a look because there was a feeling that they wanted a second starting point. So the original, you know, the 10th tee in Butcharts was miles away down the railway line, and uh, it was just the other side of the far end, um, in Abercrombie's layout. Uh, and so it was Croom, we think, that pulled the seventh uh, coming back this way from that sixth green interchange where you feel like you want to go left, but actually you carry straight on. I, I absolutely love seven. Mm. Um, yeah, par five takes you sort of, you know, it's, t- it's a tough two shots yeah, to, well, I mean, for the it bigger hitter to get home. An and enormous cavern in front of the green and, and round to the left, that, loads of good Is contour. that a bomb crater? Not sure about that one. So the following tee shot, the following hole, the eighth, um, in Abercrombie's routing had a different number, which I can't remember off the top of my head, but that has a a circular bomb crater in front of the current tee. But I think Abercrombie's hole was a par three from the other side of the bomb crater, but the bomb crater obviously wasn't there at that point. But the one by seven feels like it to me. It's 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 severe, isn't it? It's very severe and very circular. Yeah, and it's it's so much fun. And there's not a tremendous amount of that that severe undulation in the the land around it, and it's suddenly there, and you're like, yeah. I wonder whether either that or thinking might you know maybe it was once upon a time a big bunker that they've filled in or yeah not sure it's huge and it continues around the left side of the green mm. which I know because I tend to sort of snap hook the ball a little so it's quite <laughs> so you hairy snap around the, left. the shanks <laughs> yeah but not on the snooker table so <laughs> the uh, I'm curious because you've fallen in love with this place haven't you yeah and and the course and I guess 
Wes Byfield like speaks to the quality of golf in Surrey and how deep it goes with really good golf courses. Yeah. But it's really different to the the old course at Sunningdale or the Red at Berkshire. You know, there, there aren't there aren't greens with you know hair they're painted across the tops of bunkers that are, all look like they could be the next sort of Graham Baxter painting. They are, you know, the, the course is, is Parkland, mm. really, isn't it? I would say um, there's no massive drama. I wouldn't say within the course, no. but yet it feels like it feels so enjoyable to play. And I think it was when I was reading Jeff Shack's latest book about golf architecture for normal people. And he sort of says, look, there's three things that are really quite important for golf architecture, which you can simplify what a topic that can get a bit carried away into three things. You know, one of those, can you remember every hole? Hmm. Second, can you play it every day? And third one, can you walk your dog around it? And he doesn't mean, do they allow dogs? Although he does say that's great. But essentially... You know, could you walk your dog around it and would the dog be completely exhausted at the end of it? No, like, you know, would it be an enjoyable walk? Hmm. Is it fitting with the natural landscape and stuff? And you sit and read that. It's like, well, actually, that's West Byfleet to a T in yeah. my head. Yeah, it's a delight. I mentioned earlier, you know, I lived so close to this for 15 years. I passed it on my commute for most of those, um, uh, heading to various places seem to have been trying to work the top 100 um but when i first played it i just couldn't believe that i'd not explored it earlier it is so much fun and what's been gorgeous the last 15 months working here is seeing people and you guys included and you know people whose opinion i respect um james day that doesn't and, include us <laughs> yeah no that's why <laughs> no, i listed it separately sorry it different you guys uh, people i respect Sean Arble, people who, you know, they're so well-traveled in golf and uh, watch them come and play here for the first time and just come off smiling. And that's what it does to you every time. It's just, you, it's quite, well, I wouldn't say it's hard to lose a ball with a snap hook, but um, it's, but it's, it's, it, it's, it's fairly open. There are trees the here, but you find your ball. Um, there's loads of, you know, it's quite, a, as well as being quite thin, it's quite a sort of flat property as is new zealand but the micro contours are interesting and you've got that lovely sort of flick down 13 over the pond mm. and then 14's climbing up i think four's and a really, really good fun the one that the dog legs to the left yeah. that, that kind of drops down and is which hole which four one? four's the part no, three four's up the, the hill. Part three up the hill so you put it in the green the you've got all these contours so yeah. like you know, you, if the pin's front left, you can, you know, hit a, that shot would turn a wedge in, you try and spin it down, you can put the pin yeah, in the I'm top really right. Like, I, was the, I don't really like three. The, the dog yeah. right to the left, big Terrific drop down. Got to drive it down. Mm. They can't drive it too far because you can run out run out of room on the fairway. It's yeah. The micro contours, like you say, there's the, there's nothing, no massive movement of earth from left to right or front to back. Yeah. But then when you get in there, you see there's quite a lot going on. Um, you know, I'd say the fifth green is, brilliantly complicated yeah. and, and fiddly there's a lot of not too fiddly where it's gimmicky but there's a lot of like fiddly golf shots where you sort of you feel on the edge about playing certain things that's you know, just, it's yeah. just your short game yeah it's just my it's just, <laughs> it's, just, it's just my own anxiety when i play golf eighth a wonderful short par four the green on i'm gonna say it's 15 have i got that wrong 15th green oh yeah yeah i mean it's just an outstanding green that yeah, fantastic, and and loads of interesting um, sort of pin positions in the corners of that one. And eighteen, if we stand up, you can see the sort of 
Tom won't be able to see out of this window even if he stands up, Richard, to be honest with you. <laughs> there we are, looking down at 18. I mean, look at it. It must be 40 yards front to back and it's got loads of little tongues where you can stick the pin and stuff. It's just, yeah, that, there's. Uh, I don't think there's a weak hole. That's what I love about it. So many of these golf courses, you come away thinking, oh, that's a weird hole. And I won't mention other ones where... No. They're blighted by but the odd weird hole. You see next but. to weak holes, don't you? Very, yeah. Very commonly. And whereas this just has a, it's just a continuum. Yeah. And the other thing, so I, it's really interesting. There's people here playing golf in the 90s and, and some of those guys have been here, guys and girls, have been here for decades. But I'm also exploring this place with my son, Henry, who's just starting to play. And he's off the blue tees right at the front. And just every hole is playable for everyone who plays here. It's just, it's I don't know, somehow open golf. It's a very friendly club. And I think it starts with the golf course. It's fun to play. It's friendly. Mm. It's not, you, you don't get beaten up out there very often. You might score more than you'd like, but yeah, I love it. In terms of the membership and, and by, by extension, then the visiting golfer, it's a busy club. This, this is a, this is a far cry from the number of rounds that Swindley will see in an annual basis, isn't it? Yeah. You were yeah. saying something like 40,000 rounds? We were trying to work it out, and it's not that easy to do because alongside, so we have tea times most of the time here, and it, it seems to work really well. It's something that only came in with COVID, but um, it suits the club and seems to suit the members. But we do have a lot of roll-ups, and it it is busy. There's always people out there. What's lovely, actually, offline, we mentioned it earlier, you mentioned it, Sam, um, just people keep moving. They're here to play golf. They don't hang about. They get around the golf course. So even though it's predominantly three and football play after first thing in the morning or after 8.30, I think it is, they get on with it. And it's because you don't lose your ball and it's because you can't wait to hit the next shot. And it's just the whole thing flows from dawn to dusk almost here. And so it ends up being incredibly well played. Um but it stands up to it. It's bagshot sand. It drains well. The green staff do an amazing job. And, and bagshot sand. He's got me on that one. So I look at yeah, Tom because Tom's deep now as like my knowledge the professional agronomist. He's coming out with things recently. You know when you don't know if someone's just really studying hard on something, but he he comes out with lines about agronomy. I go, where on earth have you pulled that from? And he goes, <laughs> listen, listen. Just, just so when he, when yeah, he said yeah. back shot sound, I looked at Tom yeah, in sheer panic. And and but just like, say, if someone says something like that, I say, yeah, I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, See, yeah. I now need to know what that is. Is that a type of sand or is it the area that we're in? It's gone very quiet in the snooker room. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, whether like the area is called Backshot. We found them out, Tom. We whether found them out. Whether the area is called Backshot Except it needed two. Or whether it's two actual. Two Frosts and one Nixon. I mean, it's like, it's like having a, a conversation with, with Ryan Nerds and he's like, yeah, it's type B47 grand <laughs> sand grain part three. You know, it's. Well, what I can tell you is it drains well. <laughs> it's just good, good soil for golf and, um, the grass roots grow through it. It copes with a, you know, it's a tight piece of land uh, with a heavy um, amount of golf being played on it. And still, you've seen it out there. It it stands up to it. It's great. Do you think, um, I don't even know if it, why I'm asking this, if it's an important question or not. The, the course is obviously Parkland in an area that's surrounded by Heathland. Do you think mm. that has an effect on how it's perceived? Yeah, definitely. And you two... 
are, you know, I had the pleasure before the last part of seeing your lovely golf course, Blackwell, and um, I've been thinking about Parkland since then, really. We, we're so, I, I absolutely love the links and I love Heathland, but I think we, the, there's a sort of snobbery around Parkland that helps us to overlook some fabulous golf courses. That's a great take. And this is one of those, and Blackwell's another, and, and there's just, you know, I, yeah, I love Heathland, but this is a friendlier golf course to play than some of the Heathlands because you're not continually breaking your wrist in, in stubborn heather or gorse. It's, um, it's and wide open. this is the lifeblood of golf in this country. It's very easy yeah. to say, well, the only brand of golf really is Lynx and Heathland, which is fine because they represent probably less than 2% of golf courses up and down the land. Yeah. And actually, there's merits in Parkland, absolutely. And there's uh, varying degrees of, I think, I think of, of draining and soil structure of Parkland. It's also well. a strange one here because I'm pretty certain, <laughs> I, I'm a, a, a wannabe agronomist, I'm pretty certain that if you set your mind to it with the soil structure you have, you could probably grow. No, because I think they better. treated it with... There was what, what was it? What was the chemical? Yeah, so in the book, it, there's a, an allegation, I think, that there was a whole load of lime put down okay. at a certain point. And, um, and the club, so... We'll never regenerate after that. We've... Yeah. Um, lime, if, can, you lime, know lime can do some, some serious bad stuff. Is that right? Too. Yeah. Why would they put lime down? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. But, but, but you're right. And, and so once it got rid of that, it, I think the understanding when you'd explained it was that there was some... You're always going to have a local rivalry, aren't you? And it's, hmm. well, actually, we don't want the heather. They've far too much of it over at New Zealand, and we'll probably just, we'll do just fine without it. Yeah, there's probably some of that. And they were enjoying playing golf here. Certainly a lot of the trees, if we believe what we read in the book, were planted um, during the Second World War to stop aircraft landing here and gliders and so on, and, and lots of that has remained. But the fact that it's predominant, there's some oak here, there's some deciduous trees it's predominantly pine, which pine grows well in the same sort of conditions as heather. So mm. Mm. you could definitely reintroduce heather. Um, and that's been put to the club in the past and, and they've decided not to. And it it works fine. It's lovely. Do you know what? There is, there is yeah. like that, like you say, there is that thing that, you know, you could see why you would do it from an external point of view. Hmm. Uh, introduce Heather it does look beautiful for sure you, and you know suddenly like you say it could be oh we're suddenly gone up five in the rankings isn't that great where yeah but it's not it is not the easiest to play day in day out you know you're famous for the guys who play in four balls around here just whip around in three and a bit and it's yeah you don't get that in Heathland no no and I don't I don't think they're that worried about you know rankings and so on it it, I think I personally I think it deserves greater recognition it's had you know we didn't even mention Braid Braid um, came here and certainly the 17th is his we think he had um, influence on a couple of the other holes but it's quite difficult to see where bad, didn't he? Mm, Braid was um, absolutely prolific Mackenzie and Ebert have been working here Braid now must have literally for about 10 time years <laughs> He, was, he must have been in constant trouble with his wife for being away. Mm. <laughs> you know, he just must but have the, some of them were designed actually on the back of fag packets. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah. They? But even like the great courses in Australia, you know, they were they were like two-hour visits from Mackenzie. And then yeah. Never in a hot air balloon, though. I think he missed there's a, a, there's a There's a commitment to time and 
and costing getting up in one of those. So what? So what do we know about Braid's involvement here then? So he was asked in in twenty. So Croom was asked to come and have a look in twenty seven, and his brief was to get the second starting point somewhere in the vicinity of the clubhouse. So that's when seven came back this way instead of going the way away that it feels like it should. Um, so that resolved that. Then in twenty eight, they think because Fowler went bankrupt, um, the club then looked to Braid for some more alterations and we're not sure what he did. I mean, he had involvement. But the 17th, that penultimate par three, um, we think that's Braid. It's a good hole. Which is quite interesting because Abercrombie's so famous for his par threes Mm. and the rest of his par threes, or the par threes he put in, are pretty much untouched. Mm. Um, But they're... So Braid has introduced 17. I think it's a lovely finish here. Actually, that's something that, you know, they look very different, um, New Zealand, West Byfleet, and they are in terms of the club and the course and the landscape. But they both um, just generate momentum towards the end of the round. They're great match play courses. And 17, 18 here are just fabulous. Par 3, par 5. 16 is... I think we talked about that on the pod you did with us. Previously, the eclectic 18, and you were talking about your dog and 17, and yeah, you know, that and 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 the and the whole back nine at New Zealand, the way it just it it's not it's not immediately noticeable, but it just gradually picks it up, up, doesn't it? Yeah, just just in terms of the profile of the whole, seem to build very gradually, yeah. each one ever so slightly more than the last. And I think, yeah, that's a that's that's spot on about the back nine at West Byfleet, too. Can we talk about the twin twin beaks? Go on then. <laughs> You've always suggested you want to do this thing called the twin beaks. Yeah. This, it's what your logo is one of those logos where you can see it on a head cover and you'll be like, Oh, is that one Huntercombe or is that New Zealand or is that West Byfleet? I'm really stumped. Right. Yeah, so this the logo here is definitely a Greenwood pegger. At West Byfleet, uh, I can't tell you how far back that goes, but I can tell you when you're out there playing, they're watching you. There's, there's <laughs> loads of them around. Uh, the New Zealand logo is right? an the, interesting one. Can you do they do they peck and make yeah, noise? Yeah, yeah, yaffle. They they have a sort yaffle. of laughing noise. They call them the yaffle, then they Greenwood peck. There we go. Uh, I know more about that than Bagshot Sand. Um, <laughs> The it's New Zealand <laughs> logo is a woodpecker, and um, so interesting. I've been not going a through woodpecker. some. Well, no. So my wife's a bit of a twitcher, and she tells me that woodpecker does not exist on this planet because the the colorations and so on are. Um, so it's like an artist in. So it's a fictitious yeah. woodpecker. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Or or maybe it's. Uh, yeah, the I don't know. Hunter definitely has a. No, Hunter Coombe's the red kite. Uh, Which come is come on, Sam. It's quite hard to miss them. There, you clearly haven't played there enough. No, I haven't touched. That. Have you played I mean, there? I played there once. I played there once. Oh, I've not played at Huntercombe. Oh, you have to. It's got bunkerless, isn't it? They're my favourite set of greens. I think I've seen. It's it's amazing. Is it Willie Park Junior? Yeah, correct. And it's it feels band. like it's the course where Willie Park Junior, because he was designing the old at Sunningdale at the same time, mm. with a little bit more. Um, internal supervision, I think the story goes at Sunningdale. Mm. He was allowed free reign 
with the Greens at Huntingham, and they are just fabulous. I, I think he was think. channeling his own inner Lock King when he was working on Huntingham because he also managed to make himself broke on that in that process as well. <laughs> well yeah. I was going to say in the process, of there's a pattern emerging. Isn't well, there? you mentioned so, Fowl again, broke. Broke. He was Fowl was a great cricketer and a successful art, architect, and yeah. drifted in. But it's also you know, the no, high high society. Wasn't there's also it? no outgoings if you're an architect. You wander around and you need paper and a pen. How do they keep getting it so wrong? <laughs> <laughs> it's just flamboyant life. But then Simpson was turning up to clubs in Rolls Royce. McKenzie went he? bankrupt. Yeah, Mackenzie. Colt paid his, <laughs> paid his debts on? off, didn't he? Well, he was traveling so much. That's probably why he would. Um, just in <laughs> terms of final points about West Byfleet, Mackenzie and Ebert, do you know much about their works? Yeah, yeah so they, they were engaged in 2010, 11, I think, initially to come along. And so they've they've brought the course up to the modern standard so last year was uh the second centenary and we had the surrey amateur here and they finished their works did a great job with the team here finished the the sort of um polishing the course really mm-hmm. for the modern game moving a few bunkers and um a couple of other things you know it's the the really um, interesting bit for me, because I love this sort of thing, is uh, enlarging green sites. And that was the first phase of their involvement here was really looking at that and trying to use old photos to plot out where they might have been. And we end up with far more flexibility in terms of where you put the pin, mm. lots more interesting shots. And I think that works probably ongoing, but the surrounds as well are... You know, I've only the been playing here for runoffs, doesn't it? And it goes down. That's where it gets yeah. really exciting. Yeah, and on a fairly flat piece of land, I just find that that piece is integral to the golf course because it's it's where it's protected. I think in the Surrey Amateur, I can't remember. I think two rounds, and they're proper golfers. Those guys. The winner was a couple under, I think, off the top of my head. Um, and that's you know, it's not long by modern standards, mm. even off the purple tees. And yet there's eight par fours over 400 yards and you've, you've got to have a great short game, which uh, I haven't got, but I haven't got a very good long game. But um, <laughs> yeah, so it's um, they've done a really good job. And um, I think it's 6-7 now off the back tees, um, but it's you, you've played it. And par we, the three of us actually have two. only, uh, no, par 70. Par 70. So 6-7 is like, know that. I know, but. Just to just to put some colour on that, you know, six, six, seven. When you bring that up to a par seventy-two, yeah, you're adding, oh, you're adding the best part yeah. two hundred yards a shot. So yeah, about seven one. So it's not going to be a short golf course. But it's no. not always that's the best stage playoff, is it? Like we would no, no, no. But just up saying, up. you know, that's not. And the wind's quite interesting here because it's sort of it pretty well. What would you say? It's probably west southwest as you go out towards thirteen, and so you you play into the prevailing wind quite regularly, but the the trees that are planted and the trees that are along our perimeter, um, certainly on the way, most of the way going out, they're tall enough that you don't always feel the wind mm. until your ball gets up there and, and you can get blown all over the place here. Um, yeah, it's, it was so much fun watching those people play. I mean, they're incredible golfers, but um, yeah, West Byfleet was a test for them and no one ripped it apart. Your interest in history and particularly golf club history. Yeah. Is it just like an itch you just constantly need to scratch? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I'm 
I, I just can't seem to get enough of the, um, particularly with course design. It's, I, you know, I think you know I worked on a golf course at Mitcham for five years and that course has so much history as the original site for Prince's Golf Club. And uh, on my, I remember on my last day there, just sitting on a mower, cutting tees or whatever, and I noticed a bunker I hadn't seen in five years of being on that property every single day. And I, I am interested in that because none of these places, however well-preserved we think a certain club might be, none of them stand still. You see that with Hoylake. I mean, Hoylake's changed so much over the years and in the last few years and the routing and new holes and so on. It, golf is evolving and even these oldest, most traditional clubs evolve over time. I'm just, yeah, it does, it fascinates me. I also think there's something beautiful about um I'm sort of reading less on a Kindle and picking up books these days. And I love the old minute books and stuff. I'm pouring through New Zealand's at the moment. And, you know, there's just gorgeous calligraphic handwriting. And The handwriting just, back then was just... It was amazing. I don't think I had much else to do. But, uh, well, Muir was running <laughs> two clubs. But, yeah. So this obviously uh, the end coming towards the end of this podcast people are going to be dying for more from richard pennell um you've got a few things coming out i think we can tease a little bit yeah so how you know tell me a little bit you've obviously been writing um on substack for a while yeah and now you've got a book yeah thank you so yeah substack was well, I owe you guys. He always thank says you. this. You always say this. I do ridiculous. though. I do because I. I you guys yeah, if you hadn't um, been so accommodating and published, uh, what was it, Rank Outsiders, Rank Outsiders, I would probably still be procrastinating about my own blog, and I love Tom doing doesn't it. like those those tongue in cheek titles of pieces he doesn't like that exactly. uh, we were just having a conversation I think puns in titles it kind of it's like our newsletter what, on Sunday was harm and reigns supreme as in reigns yeah I did notice and that I, I was a, I'm, I'm more of a let's just stick to the, the facts here just harm and wins <laughs> yeah, so anyway you're blowing some smoke up the cookie jars backside <laughs> yeah so please continue please continue um, I like the blog uh, I like I like doing it um, I, I'm You'll see I've tried to tweak it in recent weeks and it's a trial really that and I, I'm not sure if people like the sort of um, pulling together other stuff but I find it interesting and I like listening to other blogs and reading books and it just, you know, I need, if I'm going to do that and try and curate a, some stuff for 18 episodes or whatever I do as a trial, it forces me to go and pick out a different book from the bookshelf or listen to something different or um explore you know go deeper into golf than i already am i feel like i'm so deep i'll never be able to climb out but uh um so i'm doing that and uh yeah i have a palette of books at home which is called grassroots um which is a collection of um stymied blog posts from last year with a few new bits in and blackwell's in there and there's a piece on west byfleet um Without a pun in the title, that one. Oh yeah, that's it. That's brilliant. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So that's you know that's a total dream come true, really. I I do need to flog a few more, but um, because it's getting quite tight in the house. But uh, that's you know it's so lovely. And the, actually, I didn't give it to you. I've got a copy for you downstairs. I'm waiting oh, for yes. the slip cases, and then I'll be sending 
sending more out, but it smells amazing. It's uh, I wasn't expecting that. We're going to talk to you about that, aren't we? We're so going to do gonna a keep podcast our powder with this, dry. Yeah. But we're just um, teasing out. Yeah, and I will, I will, I'll resist my line of questioning from well, that. Well, we could, we could ask one question: Is it is it available if people wanted to buy it? Is it available now? And how do they yeah. get it? If they can order it now, so pre-order. So um, sure, on holiday and can't ship it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apart from that, yeah. yeah. You've got to, he, he, he won't respond, but you've got to trust it will eventually turn up. Yeah, so um, pitchmarks.substack.com, uh, I think. Otherwise, you might need to correct that. <laughs> Did you ever think <laughs> you were going to be a content creator? No, <laughs> no. And as you already know by this point, I, you know, I'm barely holding the microphone correctly. I, I'm not cut out of the You're tech side of things. You're not holding the microphone correctly but, at all. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> we corrected you There's once and no didn't feel like you do it again. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> but no, you, you fall into it, don't you? Yeah, yeah, but I, I enjoy it. And it really feels like there's um, uh, there's a sort of crowd, and I guess some of them were at the retro day, weren't they? There's mm. a crowd of people just tickling around in different stuff. Some trying to do it for a living, and I'm doing that to some degree with writing and be useful, but some just doing it for the love of the game. There's definitely a piece of that for me. Um, we're coming at the game from all different angles, photographic and writing and other sorts of content and photography and videos and stuff, but we're all interested in the same stuff, it seems to me, and um yeah heritage and tradition and just good good golf it's all about good golf do you feel like there's like you're a golf phoenix that's kind of worked in the industry and in an office-based environment and kind of fallen away from it and then re reborn as someone who becomes in a very same in the same environment in the same atmosphere you're playing you know you're, you're doing golf but it's a completely different life that you're now living yeah yeah i do and like you know i i loved the jobs i had before this one and um worked at some amazing clubs and this is another one of those but um i've just yeah it feels like it should be um called a midlife crisis but it's not it's just a course <laughs> correction thing and it's interesting in some ways having different plates to juggle uh, or spin juggling balls um, but uh, I'm really enjoying it, and it, it adds variety. And I, the, look, I'd lost the game somehow. I'd forgotten about the game. I'd been so buried in paperwork and you know admin nonsense. And now I play once or twice a week, and I I can hit balls whenever I like. And I, I just I've I've completely got back the love for the game and my bucket list of courses, which I'd neglected for years. You know, so many places. You know this. You have access to the best golf courses in the whole world. And, you know, I've played loads of them, but there's loads where I've had invites that have been there 10 years and I hadn't got to them. And mm. Blackwell's one of those. It's been on my list forever and I've got some belters coming up that I've always meant to go and visit and I just never had time. And now I've got time and, I, you know, I can't get to them quick enough. Mm. The bucket list gets longer um, before I can, you know, shrink it down again. It's, it's well, isn't that brilliant? Because there would have been a time that wasn't that long ago that you just had would have had no enthusiasm to go do that. No, so, no, completely lost my golfing mojo. 
Um, but now I'm playing more and just loving it each time. And, and my golf's not improving at all. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't seem to bother me. Is it? But, um, well, the I incessant mean, throb of the patio beneath us at West Byfleet. It is a busy little place, this. Yeah, and, and we need to go, go make some golfing memories of our own. Yeah. Without further ado, do you want to see, this is like a new guest partner. You get yeah. to say adios at the end of the podcast. So without further ado, adios. Watch this. 